as always, is Jonathan Hardesty. Welcome back. Chewy Darso can be here this week. Yeah, surprise. <laughs> surprise. And Sam Garrison sitting in Family Blake again. Hello. Thank you very much, Sam, for coming back. Always a pleasure. This is, uh, I think, the longest streak we've had a guest on that didn't turn into a host. <laughs> that <No>. was Ryan. <laughs> Ryan just started guesting like every week. That is, it's, oh, I guess I'll just be a host now. Yeah, Ryan's like, just here. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he went from sometimes to almost always Ryan to just Ryan, and then he quit. Yeah. Well, he didn't quit. He still helps us out. Well, once you achieve that always we status, had a, it's We kinda... had a full relationship with him. We did. We had the dating period. We had the relationship period. We're like, all right, we're going to have real commitment now. Oh, no. Yeah. We got married, <laughs> and then we got a divorce, and now we're just paying child support. <laughs> <laughs> if, if this is our relationship with the show, I feel like I'm just the side piece. <laughs> You guys call me when you need me. I was I'm really... You're call. very reliable. I was really easy. They yeah. just asked, like, we put out? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Every week? Sam's, Consistently? Yeah. Same okay. the after the hype booty call. Yes. <laughs> we need some variety. Yeah. Uh, and then special guest this week, uh, Elliot Campos is here. Hi, Elliot. Hey. Uh, the reason I called Elliot this week, not just because I like having him on, was the first time we had Elliot on was Teen Wolf, I believe, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I just want to make sure I had my story right. But... When we had him on for it, he made a reference to this movie and said, which was one of my favorite movies of all time. So when we I decided to do Back to the Future, I'm like, well, let's call Elliot. Yeah, that was like three years ago. Yeah. So you bookmark plenty in advance. <laughs> I did. It's like, all right, three years later, we're going to bring this one back around. And that's <laughs> so. when you know that Brian just has a way better memory than I do. And I pay attention. I, I pay listen. attention. I just don't remember everything. I'm just saying that now you know I pay attention. I listen. Oh. I remember. Okay. I do my job. Yeah. That I don't give like, like, like a Telltale game, he'll remember that. Can you start <laughs> dropping more Ryan, hints to me for that. your birthday? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I can drop more hints. There's a DC animated box set. It just came out. It's about Something $230. It looks money. awesome. I really, really want it. Everyone. Dong. Dong. Uh, okay, so we'll do a quick where have you been doing. I can go first. Uh, I actually have two, and I know I'm very vehement against not doing that, but whatever. Um, my first one is I saw Black Panther like everybody else, and I thought it was very good like everybody else. Um, I don't know why people are surprised when I say that, but I've been telling people at work, and they're like, but you hate Marvel. I don't hate Marvel. Yeah, just people I, think that if you don't praise Marvel on a continual basis, then you yeah. hate Marvel. It's like, no, we have a very good relationship with Marvel. That also means that we will criticize it. Yeah, but I think like people who like I don't know anybody who hates this movie. I don't know how you could. It's just a good movie. Yeah, your relationship with Marvel is like your relationship with me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Marvel's booty call. <laughs> I'd we be kind should, of okay with that. <laughs> we should. Can we just become a whore then? Because I'm gonna start charging. I know they have a lot of money. I mean, yeah. Right now they're charging us a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, I thought it was a solid movie. I I really I I understand why everybody loves it. I think it's really good. I just. I had some problems with the humor. I didn't think the humor really landed for me. And not all of it, just like the Marvel brand humor that they had to get into, like try to cut serious moments with a joke. They just kind of all fell flat for me. But otherwise, I thought it was... Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that. Yeah. Otherwise, I thought the movie was fantastic. Like the, I, I'll just kitty on this because that is also my where I've been doing. Uh, the thing that annoyed me was how the, the structure... Whenever they do the whole, everything's great. I have all this power. Everyone's perfect. And then suddenly something's bad and now i'm depowered and it takes me a little time to do it like i always think of spider-man 2 <laughs> yeah spider-man 2 iron man not yeah. iron man uh iron man 2 uh thor yeah. like, they all do i mean it's, I, it's a standard this one, in comic black trope, panther it lasted not as long he got his yeah. powers back rather quickly yeah uh but it still annoyed me <laughs> it didn't really bother me it was fine yeah. the other thing that i did uh and I, now i'm working on part two uh is i replayed mass effect because i found it on sale for the entire trilogy for five bucks and i'm like all right i'll buy that on uh, um, which which system uh pc oh okay yep so i can mod it and i can make it look like modern games and that's a lot of fun except a lot of the mods have expired and it's tough to find all of them but the ones that i found have been a lot of fun yeah. and it's uh still the greatest trilogy i have ever played and it's awesome and everyone should play it now and it's only a trilogy just so you know yeah, well, there is a uh, direct-to-DVD sequel that came yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like if the Asylum made a Mass Effect game. Yeah. It's called Mass Effect Andromeda. It's yep. true, because she has no emotions. She has no emotions, and she just wants to take her top off at all times. And it's like, what the fuck happened to my franchise? <laughs> you fuckers. All right, that's it for me, though. Uh, John? Uh, so I was feeling in a bit of an anime mood recently, so I watched the entire season of Attack on Titan, because that's on Netflix. And it's the only one that like I've heard of and had like cultural osmosis to. And uh, yeah, it was fun. It was entertaining and super violent and very melodramatic, very anime. Yep. And uh, 
That's what I was looking for. It gave me what I wanted. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and it was good. Like the, I liked the designs of the Titans. They were so like grotesque and humanoid-ish and ugly and scary, and it was pretty cool. I've tried it a few times. Uh, a friend of the show, Deneen, tried to get me to watch it once, and I was like, eh, it's just not really It's not for everyone. It, yeah. it, has a weird, it has a very weird editing style at first. They calm down later, but yeah. where it's like some scenes, they're just moving the picture along, and then they're talking, and they're not animating the mouths, and that's like a stylistic choice that... I didn't like that part. I've noticed that in anime in the past. Yeah, but this one, like, they didn't even like. They almost didn't even bother. It's like, no, nah, this scene isn't going to be animated. It's just going to be a slideshow. It's like, uh, okay, a stylistic slideshow, fine, whatever. It's odd. But, yeah, it's a very odd choice. They calm down much later in the season, and then they get so convoluted. Like, you're watching it for the anime convolution sure. and all that. Cool. Sure. Oh, you did uh, Black Panther. Well, I had more things to say. Oh, sure. Um, the thing, of course, again, I really enjoyed Black Panther and. One thing that I keep telling people is that it's pretty much a 50-50 with the male and female cast. Which is nice. Uh, which I adored. Yeah. <laughs> Just I adore that right now when that happens because, you know, it's good. it's happening more. Slowly, it's happening more. I'm like, yes, we're finally getting into a period that I'm really hoping doesn't end at some point and doesn't have a <laughs> bubble. Um, but that sequence on top of the car during the car chase with her and her red dress, I don't remember her character name at this exact moment, but... I was just left speechless the whole time we were watching that. Oh, Car yeah. Chase is my favorite part of that whole film. If, I don't know if you guys have seen it. I'm assuming. I haven't. Oh. We're, I'm, I'm trying to get to see it. Well, I won't say I'm any like more the details. I'm biggest Marvel stan in this group, and I still <laughs> haven't been to see it. I'm uh, sorry. But just, like the car chase was done so well. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Oh, I'm sure. I, 100% um, I'm sure I will. And just the use of color in that movie is done extremely well. And... I think that excites me the most, actually. Yeah. See, from the tra- from the trailers, all the trailers I've watched, I've watched it for the color, the color, the they, the picture, the design, like the look and the. They use color in a lot of the Marvel movies. I mean, they just really love their color. It's just there's a lot of moments that stand it stood out for me more. <laughs> Unless you're Civil War, then they don't yeah. use their color. Well, Civil War was a stylistic choice because it was uh, like one of the last serious Marvel movies. Oh, yes. And it was also the camera they used, but that's a whole yeah. other argument. Yeah. They finally stopped using that camera, which is awesome. Yeah. I, Praise be. Yeah, they look so much better now that they're not using that fucking camera. I don't. I like the look of Winter Soldier. <laughs> it's all muted. Well, There's Winter no Soldier, color. yes, it, it's a it's a spy thriller with superheroes, and it. it's like that. Does, that needs that, but I kind of like that they've moved pulpy though. Recently, yeah. I like. I mean, because Guardians and Thor three were so much fun to watch. Yeah. Oh, they're they're going full on card like that's what color it's... and everything everywhere, animated. Yeah, <laughs> sweet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. guys should partner with them at this point. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, yeah, I had they some... belong to our enemy, Disney. <laughs> <laughs> I just—that's something that uh, some people complained to me about—is that there was so like lack of real sets in a lot of the Marvel movies recently. But, it man. bothered me sometimes in Black Panther because like yeah. the sets that they built look fucking fantastic. Her lab. Yeah, like they look so good. And then yeah. every now and then they'll be standing. Like some of the most climatic parts of the movie, they'll be standing there and you can tell they're cutouts on a green screen. Yeah. And Which it didn't work weird. the way that it did in Ragnarok where it felt like an 80s movie. So it kind of like the look of it played into the theme of the movie where that's not the same in Black Panther. But yeah. It's because but, Taika Waititi is a beautiful genius. Saw, <laughs> I just saw I him. I mean, I'm sure like Ryan Coogler is also oh, he's stupid oh. talented at like 30. So like whatever. But, but. <laughs> I was able just to stand there and walk Taika, watch Taika Waititi walk by me and it was the greatest moment he, of that day. we went to a thor screening and he shook my hand and i you haven't to, washed it since i wanted to die yeah it was amazing i kind of so would have wanted to yell <laughs> a dandy walking if he went by me but i don't know if he'd appreciate that reference or i not. mean he was working on what we do in the shadows so yeah, he might actually enjoy that reference yeah. <laughs> he's the dandy vampire um uh, we should move yeah, on though. sam sam um I have been playing through with my Dungeons and Dragons group, the Curse of Strahd campaign. Nice. Uh, it is. Don't tell me anything about it because I'm playing. I'm not DMing. No, we never completed. Oh, uh, okay. Friend, uh, um, previous host of the show, Ryan. I Thanks. love it. It's so much fun because there's. Well, I don't know if it's just the choices our group is making, probably, but I love mm-hmm. that there's like six mysteries. And we've gotten really into the role playing more than the fighting, which is great because every enemy seems magical and I'm just a halfling rogue. So I have no magic um, and I chose the thief. So definitely no magic. But I am also the richest character. So I feel a lot of pride in that. Um, well, that's interesting too, being a non-magical character in a magic campaign. Does 
basically magic. You're yeah. dealing with but magic, everything. And yeah, it's great though because it also there is a huge mystery. So it's been really fun because while everyone else is fighting, I just go around and steal shit <laughs> and put together the mystery. Like I, it's been kind of cool to carve out my niche and my group. Yeah, and I've also teamed up with our frail bard because I'm pretty hardy since I'm a stout halfling, and we're kind of like one person when we fight. He does <laughs> okay. the magic, and I like stab things. So it's great. <laughs> Form of Voltron. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Me and me and my bard flambles were bros, but it's been a really fun <laughs> campaign and it's been a really kind of great intro to the world of Dungeons and Dragons. I am a fan. Cool. <laughs> last but not least. Yeah. So there's a new season of X-Files on right now, and I wouldn't really consider myself a big fan of the show, but there have been a couple really good episodes recently. The last episode was kind of Mulder and Scully trapped in a black mirror episode. That's kind of cool. Yeah. And then a couple of weeks ago, they did an episode about the Mandela effect. You know, the whole thing about there was a movie where Sinbad starred as a genie, but nobody can find it even though everybody definitely has memories of that as a kid oh yeah they explored that topic in an episode even name dropping that sinbad thing that's kind of funny that every time the x-files works for me it really works most of the time it doesn't but when it does (laughs) i really really like it and then i'm also watching vikings which is like game of thrones without the tits and dragons so, you know, if you can... Isn't there a shit ton of nudity in Vikings? No, it's on the History Channel. Oh, I thought there was. Huh. I was just hoping there was a lot of dicks. Nope, no dicks. It's the History Channel. <laughs> Nobody hangs dong? I'm not watching it. Yeah. See, it's uh, there's Viking a barrier of resistance to it. Dog. <laughs> opportunity. But, you know, if you give it a shot, it's lots of beefy men with beards fighting. Who doesn't enjoy that on a semi-regular basis? Yeah. Of course, some... Emily can't be here this week. Probably because she's out watching dudes fighting with sticks. That is true. <laughs> Wait, does... really? Yeah, she likes doing that. Her boyfriend does it, so. Wait, in what context? Like, she, uh, I forgot the name of it. It's, it's like... not LARP, but it's LARP similar. It's adjacent. Okay, I thought maybe yeah. he was doing like Society for Creative Acronism, like, I think. Yeah, that's, like, that's what that it's called. Right, yeah. Yeah, SCA, Society for Oh, no, it's like medieval... They oh, run out with sticks. Okay. But accurate medieval. Yeah, like, accurate medieval stick that, bashing. Yeah, that's why it's not <laughs> Renfair and it's not LARPing. It's supposed to be more serious than both. So yeah. it's almost like Civil War reenacting, but yeah. medieval mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's a special brand of amazing. Emily isn't here, and I like her. Where are you doing the best? Yeah. <laughs> what could you do? Uh, okay, so should we move on to today's episode? Everyone's favorite pastime? Yeah. Um... Pastime, I get it, because we're talking about Back to the Future. Oh, well, look te- at that. We're out of time. Oh, <laughs> shit. Uh, well, technically, I'm releasing this episode uh, in celebration of A Wrinkle in Time coming out, uh, which is a movie that I am mildly curious in seeing, but it seems like a lot of people my are way more excited for it than I am. I've never read the book, but my anticipation keeps going up. Uh, I, I have a very strong resistance to live action Disney movies. I, I don't remember the last one that came out that I was like, that was aw-. it was probably Pirates of the Caribbean, like 2001 was the last one. That I was like, that was a solid movie. Since then, their live action outings are always just kind of like too glitzy, glammy, and just not really anything of substance. But this one, I've, I've this one is me, not an adaptation of a previous made animated film. I'm very yes. curious to see how so, this one does. It's different. Yeah. Maybe it's uh, more like Tron. Yeah. I'm, I like the cast. I like everything about it. I'm excited to see it. And so in celebration of that, we decided to do a different tra- time travel movie. And I picked Back to the Future because I haven't watched it in God knows how long. And I thought it'd be a good one to talk about. Um, so just a little bit of the number game on it. Uh, it cost a whopping $19 million back in the day and then made $210 million. <laughs> It's almost like they should have made some more of these. Um, <laughs> but we'll actually get into that uh, at some point here. Uh, and then I was going to read the review, but our where have you been doing went a little long, so I'm going to skip it because uh, it's also all in French, and I don't want to torture our audience by listening to a French uh, review, uh, even though people around the table said that I should do it. Mad. Uh, <laughs> Mad. <laughs> bummer. But before we get started on the actual movie, I think we need to do a breakdown, breakdown, breakdown. Uh, Elliot, are you ready to go for this? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. So here we go. Back to the future in 30 seconds. Here we go, 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 go. Kooky old scientist Emmett Brown is gunned down by terrorists. Luckily, due to a freak occurrence in the time-space continuum, he is visited by a short Canadian teenager in the past who warns him about his forthcoming demise. Armed with a bulletproof vest, Emmett is able to survive the shooting and walk away unharmed. 
he is happy to be alive and to celebrate gets in his car and flies away into the sky <laughs> i like how in your breakdown he's the main character and marty doesn't really matter yeah. marty doesn't matter the whole plot of him going back in time doesn't matter I- <laughs> Look, I, I'm sorry I couldn't fit in the incest, okay? <laughs> Wincest, Elliot. Uh I'll call that a, a success. <laughs> he just yeah. chose one side of the story. He just chose one of the stories to tell, yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, as I like to do with these movies that have been out for like 30 plus years, uh, I like to go around the table and find out when we first encountered the movie, if you remember. Um, some people you won't remember, that's fine. Just tell me like the, the earliest you can remember watching it. Um, and I'll go first. Uh, it was, I've mentioned many times in the show, whenever we do this, it was my friend Ricky who made me watch it. Um, he and his brother Nick loved the movie. And whenever I go over the house for a long period of time, it's the only thing they wanted to watch. But they were bigger fans of two than one. So I've seen two more often because my parents never bought the movie. So I never owned them uh, until actually semi recently. Um, but I remember always enjoying it while never seeking it out because I had to watch it so many times at my friend's house. So it was just like, eh, if I want to watch it myself, I'll just go over to Ricky's house but never turned it on my own. And then after I got moved away from where that was, I never went for it again. And I don't think I've watched it since I lived in Bettendorf, Iowa, watching it with my friend Ricky. I don't think I've ever turned it on since. So this was a joy to rewatch. It was awesome. Uh, John, what about you? Do you remember? Uh, not exactly the, the first time, but uh, I remember it was during one of our times as a family of having cable. Well, we had a little bit extra money and we could splurge on cable in the apartment that we lived in. And so it was like, you know, I would watch the Star Wars movies whenever they'd have marathons of those. And then they would have like marathons of Back to the Future and all that. And so I would watch them like, uh, you know, TNT or TBS would have like each day it's one of the Back to the Futures, that sort of thing. So I remember watching it on cable, a little cut down, like the the swearing kind of bleeped out and all that. But I remember it being very fun and being very wrapped into it. And I didn't really have like see it uncut and not on cable until like college. Oh, wow. You got the uncut DVD? <laughs> oh, yeah. The Zemeckis cut? With uh, 100% more Wincest. <laughs> I don't remember the first time I saw this at all. Yeah? Uh, it's definitely one of those franchises I knew growing up, but it didn't have any big life moment for me. Like I know a lot of people who this is their Star Wars. Like How I yeah. reacted to Star Wars, they reacted to this movie, and they were super invested in it. They wanted to be Marty McFly. They wanted to be the doctor. They wanted to dress up, have the roller, uh, the skateboard, do the puffy thing. Like, it's just, I know the fandom of this movie. And just, it kind of makes me feel a little sad that it doesn't touch to me that much. Yeah. As it does to everyone else. Uh, but, yeah, I don't, even as a child, I don't, remember being confused watching it and be like, that's his mom. <laughs> yeah, but his mom's hot. Yeah, but it's his mom. <laughs> she's super hot so i always enjoyed watching these movies and i enjoyed watching this one i just don't have any particular memory attached to it fair enough sam what about you i don't know when i first saw it i feel like it's one of those movies that's just always existed for me and i'm glad (laughs) yeah i i do remember because I was really young when I first saw the whole trilogy, I think I always enjoyed the third one the most because it was like yeah. Wild West and yeah. kind of the most kitty. But now I definitely think I've never really taken to the second one. I don't like the future. But <laughs> it's weird. I started liking the future one first the most because it was like, ooh, cool sci-fi tech and future tech and all that. And then going to the third one for a long time. And after this watch one is my bag like that's my jam yeah that is the like is years above the other one yeah and i was i never wanted him to be alone (laughs) (laughs) elliot what about you i saw the movie when i was a little kid but it didn't really make an impression it was really when i was going into high school and i was at my friend's house and it was just on tv and we watched it and it really blew my hair back i was so amazed by how clever the writing was how funny it was how it really gets your heart beating and everything oh yeah so uh, shortly thereafter i got the dvds and just watched the movies all the time i did a back to back to back to the future (laughs) marathon with a friend and it's like holy shit marty goes through all of this in like two weeks (laughs) really that's how fast these are attached to each other each movie happens right after the other one so it's like at the end of this one he's going straight into two so he just does not get a break 
for a while there. I don't think he's going to be a well-adjusted adult. Like, hey, how no. old is he? Is he supposed to be 17 or 16? How old is he supposed to be? He's 17 because at the end of the movie, Doc says he's going 30 years in the future and Marty says, oh, so I'll be 47. Okay. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. And, and he can drive because uh, when he goes in the past, he's like, yeah. look at my driver's license. Yeah, they'd look at his driver's license in the past and be like, that's not how they look. Uh, that's exactly... The doctor just says it's a clever fake or something like that. Right? Oh. It's yeah. Doc, not the doctor. Get out of your Doctor Who fan zones, guys. Doc, it's sorry. tough for me. <laughs> I've referred to the doctor for so long now. I really want to know who Scott is, by the way. I don't know, but he sounds pretty great. Yeah. Great Scott! <laughs> I just assume he's a George C. Scott fan. Yeah, that makes sense. Because yeah. he is pretty great. Yeah. yeah. That guy is pretty great. <laughs> Uh, okay, so where uh, since I'm not the biggest fan of the room of this thing, Elliot, wh- when you try to, when you think of this movie, what's your favorite thing about it? Like, what's what brings you to Back to the Future? Well, uh, going off of the conversation that we were talking about before we started recording, mm-hmm. you were talking about how the setup just kind of takes forever. Yeah, and it's really. During that back-to-back-to-back-to-the-future marathon I was talking about, <laughs> yes, yeah. uh, because I was watching it with somebody who'd never seen the movies, mm-hmm. I kind of had the opportunity to like kind of go back to w- adopt his mindset. Do sure. you ever have that when you watch sure, yeah. the movie? Yeah. So it's really like the movie is just, it's throwing all this information at you, and it's really kind of weird at first. But it's like as soon as you get to the past and the, that shot where all of a sudden he's sitting right next to his father, the time travel stuff is very fun. I love it. But I think for this movie in particular, it is that kind of question of if I knew my parents when I was when they were my age, would I be friends with them? Like, would I like them? Would they like me? And that kind of this movie is a vehicle to just explore that conversation, because for me, my parents have always been adults, you know, yeah. uh, the smartest people in any room they go into. They know everything. They're gods. They're infallible. Their parents. Um, that yeah. never broke for you? Um, That's supposed to break around pre-adolescence. Well, it's breaking for me right now, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> so, thanks. Well, I'm happy that I can bring along your maturity. <laughs> That's You've what we done do. that in so many ways. <laughs> That's really a service we provide. We break the shackles of parenthood. We ruin childhood. I, I remember mine vividly when I asked my dad, how do they make no polish? And he couldn't tell me. I was like, wait, you don't know something? <laughs> my God, my parents are flawed. <laughs> Of all the weird things I don't remember in life, I remember that one. Oh god, our poor son's gonna have to deal with Speed Force and <laughs> science for so many answers. Yeah, what makes an apple fall? Speed Force. Speed Force. And that's when I lost respect for Chewy. <laughs> Didn't lose respect. I gained knowledge. <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> My parents are nerds. Sorry to derail you, Elliot. No, no it was good. <laughs> it's, it's exactly what he says this movie brings up. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, but talking about the scene that you're talking about, uh, for me, like, kind of like I agree with Sam. Like, the beginning of the movie takes a while. And I don't think that that's a bad thing. No, I love it. Yeah, I think it works perfectly. Like, it, it does a great job getting you into the world so that once they finally do throwing start throwing everything off the rails with time travel and craziness, you have the space for all the callbacks to what you've already seen. Like the, like between Biff and his dad, he does the exact same shit to him as a teenager that he did to him as an adult, like almost word for word. And it's like, it's this kind of stuff that really rewards paying attention in the beginning. And it's like, as you said earlier, the movie is so impeccably well-written that as soon as you get into that scene where he meets his dad, it's just off to the races. Yeah. So for a lot of movies, they'll have kind of an A plot and a B plot. And normally one plot is like way better than the other one. And the other one's kind of just, not filler exactly, but it's just not the main reason you're there for the movie. Right, yeah. But with this one, the time travel stuff, like trying to get the cables together, racing the clock to get the DeLorean going fast enough, that's fun. That's a blast. But then Crispin Glover is just incredible oh, in yeah. this movie. Like watching him go from this milk with toast, milk toast. I think I said that on podcast with Elvis and he like <laughs> raised me for saying the word wrong. So I don't know just why. Just milky toast. I don't know why I only I say that word when I'm being is. recorded. Uh, A limp dick. Okay. Yeah. So to see <laughs> to see him go from Olympic to throwing that punch against Biff. 
Yeah. That just rejuvenates me so much. It, I, I just, I love the, so my dad's no never done something like that before. And just the doc, sorry. Uh, <laughs> doc, get, no duh. Stop adding articles. I will get there by the end of the episode. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like, even when doc has the, uh, the moment where he's like, he's never done that before. Huh. Like, I love just, that Marty's the one that taught him that too. Yeah. Because he saw Marty sucker punch him in the cafe. And when he realizes Biff isn't looking at him, he thinks of it as an opportunity instead of a moment to breathe before he gets hurt again. And it's yeah. just like, it's yeah. so cool. He oh, helped his his, parents his arc is my favorite in the film, for sure. There's a lot of really, just a lot of really great acting nuances in this movie. You mentioned Christopher Lloyd a minute. There's so many times where you'll just look at his face and he'll do like a weird eye movement or something. Yeah. At the start of the movie, when they're in the, the mall parking lot, and he's just kind of stepping off to the side and talking about this guy who fantasized about breeding pine trees. <laughs> and then his eyes just like go uh, diagonally left downward. And it's just like, <laughs> like what is going through this man's head as he's thinking about breeding pine trees? <laughs> Christopher Lloyd is really a rock star in this movie. Um, Crispin Glover is great. Uh, watching Michael J. Fox in this movie is kind of funny for me because he was filming this while he was filming Family Ties. So he oh, was yeah. like getting no sleep whatsoever. <laughs> so a lot of scenes I'll just be looking at his eyes and how they're like barely open. <laughs> and didn't he just film Teen Wolf right before this? Yeah, I know that when he was filming Teen Wolf, uh, they were like scouting locations for Back to the Future. And he was like, Man, I would love to be in a Spielberg movie like that. Yeah. But man, Eric Stoltz got that part. <laughs> you ever gone back and watch any of the, the Eric Stoltz scenes? I think they only have like really like pictures or like second had... long clips. How much of the movie did they shoot with him? Almost no. all of it. Yeah, they shot quite a bit. I didn't realize that. It, I thought he was an early recast. No, they were deep into it. And that's what you can do when Spielberg is at the top of the pyramid. In the 80s. Well, Spielberg and let's give a good shout out to Kathleen Kennedy, who's. Right. been right there with him the whole time apparently yeah I which mean, i did not realize until i started going through older movies like holy shit her name pops up everywhere she is fine replacing actors she's fine replacing directors yeah. it doesn't matter <laughs> how far the movie is she's getting shit done. done it's so yeah. weird her name was on wings too oddly enough <laughs> she's been working since the 20s <laughs> she doesn't age guys she's an immortal yeah She's an immortal who decided to go into the film industry. Yeah. I mean, it's the best place to do it because they want women to not age anyways. That's true. Yeah. yeah it's a great place the for code. it. <laughs> she's also smart enough to get out of LA and spend most of her time in San Francisco. Yeah. yeah. She's just, she's awesome. Only an immortal would come up with that. <laughs> uh, but kind of like what you're saying, like the whole reshoots, like since I don't mm-hmm. really know like much about the history of this movie, all beyond just knowing that Eric Stoltz was the original, um, was it always Christopher Lloyd? Was it Zemeckis and Spielberg always wanted it, Christopher Lloyd? It was. I mean, everybody was cast. It it was the entire same cast except for Eric Stoltz, and apparently he was just a, a kind of a dick on set. Like um, he, mm. I remember like he was actually punching Tom Wilson or something during his scenes, and Tom Wilson was just like kind of fuming about it inside that this guy is being really rough when it's kind of uncalled for. Yeah, you're yeah. supposed and, to act. Yeah, <laughs> and it was just, it wasn't, I think they wanted Michael J. Fox first, but the family ties thing wouldn't give them access to him. Oh, okay. And then they went with Eric Stoltz, and it just didn't feel like they were getting the movie they wanted. So, yeah, 11th Hour, it's just like, let's just reshoot everything now that we've worked out the contracts with Michael J. Fox. And that's actually something that caused a lot of distress to the other actors. I bet. Because when you know they're willing to, like, cut the head off the snake (laughs) and redo it, like, you're way more disposable than that. I wonder if that's, if it influenced any of their performances. Because, like, the, like, Crispin Glover in this movie is phenomenal, as you've said. Like, and Mm -hmm. Leah Thompson is great. Tom Wilson. Tom Wilson, fantastic. Like, and these people are all really good, but we're not seeing any other, like, they're really, I mean, exception for scenes where I'm sure he wasn't in there, they probably left those alone. But mm. for the majority, we're watching a lot of reshot, like, we've already done these scenes with somebody else. So it's kind of interesting that, like, they're still as on point as they are. I mean, granted, they're professionals, but still, sometimes 
And the movie only costs nineteen million dollars. Yeah, they, they shot a movie twice for nineteen million. Which a sci-fi is sci-fi movie twice yeah. for nineteen million dollars for they, an actor. That could be a golden ticket as well. A sci-fi you, movie period piece. Yeah, yeah. they <laughs> shot you, it on the Universal backlot, right? For the majority, oh, yeah. of, like I, there's a few locations. I work around that whole yeah. area all the time. Now. <laughs> How similar is it? Still, um, they left a lot of it up, right? I mean, the whole structure is the same essentially. Mm-hmm. I don't think the Panthers are up there anymore on the clock tower because I don't remember seeing them when I go to work. Uh, a lot of the like the exteriors of the buildings are now still left over from when they did the live version of Hairspray. Oh. So everything says the alerts like Baltimore and stuff like that, but. <laughs> Oh, and then the signage and stuff. It looks exactly the same. Does the clock tower wow. still have the broken cement from where it slipped under his feet? No. Damn. Wait, so does it look uh, 1955 the same or 1985 the same or 2015 the same? <laughs> it looks like it could be anything you want it to be. It's a back lot. All you do is change the signage. <laughs> Fair. And I think they did uh, Gremlins on it too, right? Yeah. I don't know. It, Whenever they I do tours, so. they never mention it. They always just be like, it's the clock tower from Back to the Future. That's the only thing they ever mention when yeah. they go by. I I interned on the Universal lot for a while, and they had, like, uh, in the elevators from the parking garage, like, they definitely had, like, Marty on the walls. Yeah. And they played That's that music everywhere. Over they originally had Eric Stoltz on the wall, but... <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else have we not talked about in this thing? Like, there's so much to chew on in this movie. Like, shockingly a lot to chew on. Well, the one thing that his mom is a very interesting character. She is dripping, and I don't use that word lightly. No, it's like <laughs> her immediate infatuation. As an adult, it actually bothers me even more. The girls don't chase boys. No, it's just the fact that she would have chased any boy. Oh, because any boy that uh, fell she, out of that tree, yeah, she was going to fuck. Any tree that her dad hit with the car. Oh, yeah. Because uh, the Florence Nightingale effect. Because yeah. that's what she said. You see it in, in uh, she just, military she, hospitals. Yeah. When she's describing how she fell in love with the dad at the breakfast table, she's like, I just felt so sorry for him. As if that's romantic. Uh, I was just like, that's such a weird reason to fall in love with someone. And then she does that with, with Marty, because he's the one that gets hit by the car. And she took his pants off and all this stuff and looked, <laughs> and looked at his underwear because she's just like, it's all over your underwear, Calvin. And it's like, you're weird. Like, you're going through puberty hard right now. <laughs> I love her performance, though, throughout the whole movie, how she goes from being with someone for her whole life, a relationship that started out of pity. And then when it becomes a relationship that started from like genuine yeah, admiration. From an actual like yeah. moment. Yeah, from an actual moment and, and one two that she helped engineer because when, when she says kiss me, she's still very forward. Yeah. And how in the future she's so much happier and they're both so much happier and there's actual chemistry. They played that so well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Her she's maturity that, arc is very yeah. good. Cause her her monologue at the beginning, even with all that creepy special effects makeup and stuff, is so sad yeah it's like you can tell she fell in love for the wrong reasons yeah and and it it affected both of them in such a big way and i just love the implication of that i also love the lies that like it is i'd be so curious to go back in time and see parents because especially ones that are so like rule abiding and stuff like what were you like when you were young you're a thirst machine lady. (laughs) (laughs) i think that's the credit to this movie and with what you guys about setting it up there's enough they take the time to set all this up and establish all these things they call back to like the lies of the parents which i think i like the parents arc the most the time travel Mm -hmm. stuff oh yeah watching it again i was just like nah whatever delorean who cares but like Whoa, that's a little harsh, but okay. That's yeah, heavy, come on, I yeah. like how they established that DeLorean is a crap car in this movie. Oh, yeah. Because he cracks out on him like four, t- three or four times, right? Yeah. I like, like to believe... not again! I like to believe, and I could be wrong, because like I said, I didn't really look in the history of this one, but like that came out of production of like, this car fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I, I just like I just like that, to what you said, like just seeing the parents' lies or seeing their the whole truth and... Not distorted from time and all that, and that speech was so sad in the beginning. Oh God, <laughs> so it was, it was, uh, the beginning was so hard to watch, and in a good way. And it's, especially because I haven't watched this movie since I was a kid. And when yeah. I was a kid, and there's Leah Thompson, and it was just like funny feelings. I don't know why, but I really like her because I had her in this, Howard <laughs> the Duck, and Dennis the Menace. And it's just like three movies that just circulated she's in my childhood. She's a hot lady. Yeah, she's yeah. gorgeous. 
And like I was excited to watch this again. I'm like, oh yeah, 80s Leah Thompson. And then the first time you see her is in the like the fat suit and the old like, old lady makeup. And I had forgotten about that. I was like, whoa, <laughs> Leah Thompson. <laughs> and I liked the design choices like all around the movie. The oh way yeah. That they, and especially with costumes, when Marty like he's only back in time what three days? It's a week. It's a, a whole week. Yeah. It's a whole yeah, week. Because okay. At least a week. Like, yeah. Uh, but his yeah. whole look changes. Well, it has he, to. He, yeah, but there's, there's you have to change clothes, and then there's you have to pop your collar this way, and you have to grease your hair. Like he does everything. He fully acclimates to the fashion of that era yeah. in a week, which is interesting. He's a he's the worst and the best time traveler. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look at how he journeyed through the entire history of uh, concert performances in like one <laughs> song. Like he really transcends. Time. I like how Chuck Berry became famous stealing somebody else's song because of that logic. Even though he's playing Chuck Berry, he the guy calls Chuck Berry to be like, "Listen to this tune." So then Chuck Berry's copying it down, essentially stealing the song, even though it is his. It's like a weird little thing. Look, there. It's your cousin, Marvin Berry. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's why this one, as far as time travel movies go, stands the test of time the most because it is so uh, clever in its ability to kind of switch between like, here's the logic time travel stuff of like the sequel, the second one where they get to alternate 1985 versus like, yeah, it's, your, it's your cousin Marvin Barry. Like they just kind of glaze through some of the weird logic loopholes you can kind of well, crash into. Here's the thing though. So we're saying it stands the test of time, but... If you were to show this to your daughter, would she still, like, none of the references are going to land, even no. remotely. Like, because they, they chose timely references, which for us was still our childhood, I so guess, it yeah, works. But I guess Pepsi Fresh or whatever it's called. Pepsi, Pepsi Free. Pepsi Free. I'll give you a Pepsi, but you got to pay for it. Like, <laughs> like, on the reference front, it might not work. But, like, as far as, like, a time travel movie, the movie knows enough to kind of keep itself from being a tired, like, tired to watch or, like, frustrating to watch. I mean, you're, ne- you're, never, you're never given enough time to be like... Well, that, that doesn't make any sense. Or wait, what about this, this, and this? Like you're just like, you go with it. The there's movie, there's it, a lot it, of timey wimey moments that if you think about, it, don't make sense. But yeah, the, the main thing is the it. photograph. Like yeah. that's just there to be a ticking clock, even yeah. though it yeah. has no. I've never seen anything like that in any kind of time travel story. It's just there to have something to look at to show that time's running out. Yeah, I feel like the only other times I've seen it is in reference to this movie. Yeah, yeah, like and it kind of works, but it's just it's like it's a filmmaking thing just to try to make it seem a little bit more like uh, anxious and just yeah, like there's a, a it's deadline. something you can attach yourself to. Like, yeah, it doesn't oh, feel yeah. contrived. No, I it works. It totally works. That's what's so amazing is like you could pick apart anything with time travel, but this movie is so inviting and the characters are so engaging that you never feel the need to. Yeah, like if it's, you want to pick it apart, you can, but like everything about it is done so well. It's why would you? Yeah, because there's and there's so much wish fulfillment too, like seeing your parents as young people and Doc getting to kind of know his future self as a success. That spark yeah. of hope he gets, and <coughs> I don't know. It just I love I love it. I love how it takes its time too. It's not edited like a modern movie. Mm-hmm. They they really like the beginning is slow, but even there's so many moments of tension between when Marty realizes how they're going to get back, like when Marty and Doc formulate how they're going to get him back to the mm-hmm. future, and when they actually do, even to the last seconds where Doc is like plugging things in. <laughs> and it's it's just a constant ramp up, but it takes its time, even when they're in the 1950s, to establish that sort of momentum. And it, it takes its time to get to know everybody in every aspect and to let you explore the world, but it never feels superfluous. I just, it's such a well-made movie. Oh it, yeah. It, it lets you know that Marty's a dog person. That's like true. at the very beginning, I realized it because when he walks into the garage or whatnot of yeah. docs and he's not there, he's like, where's Einstein? Like before he even really cares about what doc's doing, <laughs> he likes dogs. he's worried about Einstein. And then later on when they're, doing the experiment and he's like you just evaporated einstein like he did not care that the car disappeared he cared about the dog when that when the dog came back he was like i saw some shit <laughs> that's what's so neat about it though is i think for me like a good movie is one where every character i encounter i can kind of envision what their life looks like when they're not part of the plot of the mm-hmm. movie and i feel like i really got to know some really cool people you did yeah but like it I love Zemeckis. Like I've said it many times. He's one of my favorite filmmakers. Even when he has misses, it's, I will still see his next movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and it's mostly because of everything you were just saying. Like he does not fuck around with pacing. Like he like none of his movies, at least for the most part, feel rushed. Like he knows how to tell a story and Maybe how to he take could have stand to rush with Forrest Gump a wee bit. I, I disagree. <laughs> uh, not going down that yeah, hole. Not going down that road of excellence. Um, there's a whole episode of Tom Hanks Giving. You can listen to that. Uh, but like, there's so many things in this movie that like everything feels well-rounded and three-dimensional like even if the characters kind of aren't like even if there isn't anything there for you really kind of like grab on zemeckis pulled out such performances from everybody that it still kind of feels like they are like it's like a good like, trick biff is never anything but a bully but we he's s- beyond a bully well, yeah. yeah he's, he's, a full, he's an abusive rapist he's, an yeah, he's a full-blown villain he's yeah. say say sadist and all the sorts of yeah. things like how can anyone be around him they make him so evil yeah oh yeah but I think they have to, because otherwise, at the end, when he's, like, washing Marty's dad, when yeah. he's washing the car and stuff, you'd feel a little bad for him. But now it's just like, oh, man, thank God someone neutralized that monster. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Like, yeah. he represented everything about the 50s that we hated, essentially. Even oh, he yeah. somehow ended up with a better fate because of what Marty did. Yeah, he would have been in jail oh, yeah. for raping ladies. Yeah, than being a shitbag rapist. <laughs> now he's just kind of... A mediocre. Now, Ben. Now he's Olympic. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you mean a milk toast? A milk, milk toast. <laughs> and do you think? Would you like some milky with your toast? He's a milk toast Olympic. In the future, he ended up with a Donald Trump hair. Do you think they yeah. reference? Because Donald Trump's had the same haircut pretty much his entire life. Right? Uh, well, the second one, they really go into Donald Trump comparisons yeah. with Biff. Yeah. Uh, to the they they saw the future, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oof. <laughs> God, we they gave us a warning and we still chose poorly. Same though with the Simpsons. Honestly, there was a lot of warning signs. That's why when someone says they're a fan of Back to the Future, like, well, did you vote for Trump? Yep. Well, you don't. You're not a fan. <laughs> you missed it. You didn't watch the movie. You didn't watch the movie. Um, I feel like like there's so much to talk about in this movie, and we still just kind of keep circulating on things. Um, what haven't we hit that? We really haven't talked about Doc much beyond just kind of mentioning that he's in the movie, but he's created one of the most iconic film characters ever. That's yeah. still being referenced today in a very popular cartoon yeah. show. Like, no Doc Brown, no Rick and Morty. Like, no. It just it do- doesn't happen. And it's like... Rick and Morty is just the drunk, belligerent version he, of this. Rick yeah. is the competent version of Doc. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's what I love is Doc is not... It's not that he's not smart because he invents time travel, but he's like kind of a failure as a scientist. (laughs) Because when he invents it, he's not like, yeah, it worked. He's, I invented something that works. (laughs) (laughs) That was going to be my quote at the end. I was like trying to avoid going there. You can still say it. It'll be okay. I invented something I made worked. Yeah. It's just like, oh, shit. I like how he comes from a very rich family. Clearly, uh, yeah. Because that's one thing that I always enjoy. Like the reason I like House on the Rock or uh, any of those weird rich people going like crazy stories. Mansion. Yeah, the Winchester yeah. Mansion. Like, I there's I, something about that that the th- money can drive you mad in a way. And for him, it was that's not even so much that the money drove him mad. It's the money gave him the opportunity to be mad because he never had to get a real job. He could just invent random yeah. crap all the freaking time. And then he fell off the toilet at some point and had an epiphany. Uh, he also burned his house down, and I love the subtle <laughs> yeah. nod where yeah. Marty saves it. I love yeah. the panning at the beginning where you see the newspaper clips and stuff. I'd never paid attention. Yeah. And then I love, there's just that moment where Marty uses the fire extinguisher and puts out the old rags, and it's like, oh, shit, in this future, Doc still has this giant house. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that's fun. Like, it's a... It's a it's world building, really. Yeah. No, Which no. in a lot of movies like this, they ne- wouldn't necessarily do. Yeah. They wouldn't create, they would create backstories for the characters, but not really show it in production design and stuff. No, because we live in an age of Easter eggs, not yeah. world building. So there'd be a lot of like, oh, there's a sticker for Rick and Morty in there. Get it? And it's like, there'd be a lot of those things, but not like, like layers of, oh, if you pay attention, this movie just gets yeah, better. You get and this person's life history. The twin yeah. pine, the twin pines joke, becoming lone pine. <laughs> yeah, that is my favorite. My favorite joke. Yep, you got the shirt. It is my favorite joke in the entire trilogy because it is, it's just patient. The, the the gag, the reference is patient, and I'm like, I really appreciate that. Um, but I wanted to bring up, is this movie for us in our generation, the define like this is how we see Christopher Lloyd. 
Is this is this is for this me? His? Christopher Lloyd has been the same age his entire life. Because this is what we compare it to. Because I've seen a lot of other movies later from him, but I'm always comparing it to this one because this is kind of that one where I was like, "Oh, him! This is who he is." Like it kind of imprinted on me. I, I, yes I, and no. Yeah. I don't. He's to me when I watch Adam's Family, he's Fester. Okay. There's no I mean, questioning Judge it. Doom, he's had a couple iconic parts. He's the parts. lead angel from Angels in the That's where I was going to go. Yeah, like, I don't uh, know. I, he's, to me, he is such a great actor. I can definitely see him outside of Doc. I mean, okay. like, I think it. I, I think can't. he does. I th- I'm more on Chewie's side. I think he does such a good job creating the character of Doc that it stands apart from him. Like, yeah. okay. I don't think it'd be the point where, like, somebody else could step into those shoes. I don't mean as, like, a negative, but, like, more of a, no, this is where, like, Doc is such an iconic character, what you said, but it's, like, it's his performance, and now I can't, you, we can't see anything other than him as Doc first. Yeah, I mean, I guess I could that doesn't, kind of see true that, for me. but, like, I still, because okay. when I think of Christopher Lloyd, my the first place my head almost always goes is Taxi, because uh, okay. oh. my dad had me watch that show religiously as a kid, and he has all of my favorite bits that aren't Andy Kaufman, and it's, like... Okay. It, it, between those two guys and that show, I can still watch that show today and laugh in every single mm-hmm. episode. Especially when Christopher Lloyd joins the cast. Like, his episode where he has to go get his driver's test to renew it is one of the funniest things ever put on TV. Like, <laughs> it's so good. And it's all him. I and- think it might be if whether or not you had exposure to him before this movie. Because I don't remember the first time I saw Christopher Lloyd. Yeah. It might not have been this movie. It might have been in Adam's Family because that came out in 92. Or it could have yeah. been in Camp Nowhere. Or it could have been like oh, something else. So maybe that's why I don't only see him as the Doc. Well, I, I, the thing is, I think the I almost said the Doc again. I don't want to piss off Elliot. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> the thing is, I who think, who Doctor who? who again? By the way, uh, if they could do a crossover someday, because he because Christopher Lloyd doesn't age. He's the same. He looks the same now that he's always dead. No, he looks a lot older now. No, yeah, but yeah. Okay. he definitely. Does. I, I just <laughs> listened to him on a Nerdist podcast, <laughs> yeah. and his. His mental facilities are slowing down. Whatever. Okay, yeah. you can still put some makeup on that. Bring him down a little bit. Get him into a Doctor Who episode trying to be the doc again with oh, the man. doctor would be such an amazing nerdgasm. Ernest Cline have such a boner. Because <laughs> rewatching this now, there's moments I'm like, God, I really wonder how the doctor would react to this situation. I mean, I kind of have that in all sci-fi I watch now. It really ruined uh, <laughs> the new Cloverfield movie. I'm like, I feel like the Doctor should be. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> all of a sudden, you hear like, <laughs> he would, Ooh, this movie's about to go crazy. Go he would have loved the arm. Like, the Doctor would have been obsessed with the arm. Oh, yeah. Movie. Fantastic. <laughs> I think we're all thinking different Doctors, which is very interesting. That is pretty great, actually. <laughs> um, but, like, again, back to this movie, because, like... The thing that I love about this movie and clearly showing in today's episode is that it just kind of sparks other conversations. Like this movie just brings like we've said it a few times. It just brings joy. Like there's heavy fucking things in this movie. Yeah. His mom almost gets raped. She tries to fuck him real hard. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like there's so many just like really kind of the joke about the uncle in the crib. Yeah. Like, oh my <laughs> there's so many things in this movie that are just like, whoa. But like, yeah, this was um, it was. Uh, when they were trying to sell the script, it was uh, too clean for all the studios. There's like, oh, there's a little kid movie. But for Disney, it was too dark because of the uh, mom trying to. <laughs> yeah, and she real tries. <laughs> yeah. But like, that's one of the reasons that I always say the 80s is the best decade for children's films. Yeah. Because they had the whimsy, they had the magic, they put the money behind it, but they also kept it kind of serious, a little bit of grounding and darkness in each one of these movies. Yeah, but. Yeah. But like this movie's a kids movie and it has these horrible dark themes, but it's just relentlessly joy filled. But that's like, why it's great for kids. Yeah, like through yeah. and through. Like the the skateboard scene with him going against Biff. Yeah, and like he, um, they're trying to ram him into the manure truck, and then he like jumps and climbs over their car and lands on his skateboard so on cool. the other so side. So cool. <laughs> yeah. and I like then watching they... that knowing they're just going in a circle. Yeah. <laughs> That's just the back lot, the same area again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that uh, really shows it, how you can get a lot out of one It's the square. true sense of, yeah. uh, it's the true word of like adventure. It's an adventure film too. Oh and yeah. We don't get many of those that are like, you can say like, this is adventurous. This is exciting. Yeah. And it just shows like, like when you get people like, especially in the eighties, like Spielberg and Zemeckis together and just go nuts. Like they just make fun, inviting movies. And that's what this yeah. thing is through and through. So what I'm hoping wrinkle in time is. I hope so as well. I also love Marty and Doc's relationship. 
it's so sincere. As much mm-hmm. as they're two like really disparate, weird people that you wouldn't put together, Marty. Oh, Marty is so <laughs> upset when. Like, he, he tries so hard to save Doc. Oh, yeah. More, like, not just getting back to the future. He's not a selfish person. I mean, as much as he's kind of a punk 17-year-old, he loves Doc, and Doc loves him. Oh, yeah. It's such an the, interesting mentor-mentee that's friendship. That's one thing that we that, didn't get. We never got really an explanation for why they hung out. They had that in an earlier draft, I think, where they met at a garage sale or something. <laughs> like, nice. Like, uh, Marty went to Doc's garage sale, and they, like, kind of struck up a friendship or something. But they mm. just felt like... It wasn't necessary to have that in there. And I like how the movie just, it just, it's like, hey, these two guys are best friends. They're like, like soulmates in a way. Because yeah. don't we all have weird, like unexpected friends like that? I mean, yeah. that's that's what I love about it is it doesn't, it doesn't demand it makes it not an explanation. Creepy. Yeah, because they just love each other. Like sometimes you just find someone that maybe isn't like you but well, you just know that they're your your person. You and know? yeah, that adult friend that you don't tell your parents about. <laughs> no, well, no. Like the albino <laughs> in uh, Bob's Burgers. Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking like, <laughs> hey, um, like how would he explain to his parents? Like, yeah, you know, we I met up with him in an abandoned parking lot at 1.30 in the morning. It's perfectly where, normal. Where he had a car racing at me at full speed. And Fueled on plutonium. Okay. <laughs> Handling nuclear By the material. way, this is 1985. But, they don't really have a great grasp of terrorists yet. That and was what the is going thing. on with the, the Lebanese? Not Lebanese. Libyans. 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 Yeah. When were Libyans ever like? How did they choose Libya? That that was I the also one love thing that, that stood neither out. of those men driving the van look like. No, nope, not at all. They look like generic other but, person. But what were you saying? Well, I remember I was listening to Kamel Nanjiani on a podcast or something, and he was talking about how when I mean all his life really he's been really sensitive to portrayals of uh quote-unquote brown people sure in movies like for example the terrorists in true lies yeah how they're often just used as shorthands for just you know gun crazy bad guys and for him one of the points he brought up was that in this movie they don't they mention like terrorists once or twice but for the most part they just call them Libyans so it's a way for audiences to watch it to just inherently connect Libyans with terrorists instead of, you know, just seeing terrorists. It's like, oh, no, Libyans are terrorists. Why? That's interesting. So I, I like, need- OK, so like a specificity instead of just saying brown people are terrorists. Yeah. And like one of the guys driving the van was white. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but the like, difference of saying specificity yeah. to like. These specific people wanted to build a bomb that probably had nothing to do with anything in the United States, and Doc just facilitated. Well, and, that, yeah. and, well, I and think it's a very the, smart thing. It worked because, yeah, like you said, it's the specific. <laughs> it's that thing. Yeah, I think it's the equivalent of if, like, this movie was made today, which you could still do because Doc could still be incredulous about who's president. Um, <laughs> but they but, would just use terrorists like every other word. Well, yeah. it would just be like if we're like the Muslims are coming to kill us. You know? Like that's a religion. Yeah, right, but I mean, in terms of not defining them as terrorists, but defining them as a group of people who are not that entire group of people are not terrorists. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're saying that like it's not just an entire race; it's just those people. Right. It's it just like it, these are the bad guys. Not that entire group of people are yeah. bad guys. It's kind of interesting. Um, I want to jump back one quick conversation, and then we should probably start wrapping this thing up. But I thought it was interesting. We we mentioned how Marty and Doc Brown became friends, and that was kind of interesting. And it never dawned on me until we just started talking about it. Do you think it has something to do with the fact that Crispin Glover is such a milk toast limp dick that he searched for a father figure? And that's what he found in Doc Brown was somebody he who's both a friend. It would be the exact and, opposite where yeah, he... he this is a guy who tries everything, doesn't say no. He's willing to give anything. He wants to teach. He wants Marty to be smarter and better and like embraces him and wants him to be a better human. Everything huh. he doesn't get from his dad because his dad's just kind of like, yeah, I'm a bully. He also encourages Marty's hobbies. Like, yeah. he let him build a crazy science amp. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Marty talks about how he's scared of rejection, which is something that he's kind of inherited from his father. Yeah. And Doc Brown doesn't really seem to have that fear. He's willing to go out there and just... And not broad daylight, but like get out into the world and try his stuff over and over and over, even though it's not working. Yeah. So I think it was kind of something that's, just kind of clicked on me. That's I think one it, thing that in the sequels that always annoyed me, because they never call Marty a chicken in this movie. 
No, they so had to figure out something. So why was that such a big thing in the other films? They needed uh, an arc for him to carry across the two movies. Yeah. And uh, uh, Zemeckis and Gale have talked about how they wish they could have, if they knew they were going to make sequels because they didn't know that when they were writing the first movie. Um, they definitely would have put Chicken in here like during one of the Biff uh, Marty confrontations. Uh, I'm fine that they didn't because I kind of hate that subplot. It's not great. <laughs> it's not the best part. It's it, that's that joke kind of wears over the years. See that part never really bothered me, but I, again, I haven't watched it since I was a kid. Now I really want to watch two and three. That yeah. that almost like ages the the movies more than anything. That chicken would be yeah. a yeah. humongous insult. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, insult language, particularly among teenagers, has really advanced past chicken. <laughs> it advanced, it advanced, and now it's digressed into just swears. Yeah, you fuck sick. <laughs> How dare you call me a limp dick? Nobody calls me a limp dick. How dare you call me a limp dick, you cuck? <laughs> oh, God. Snowflake. Yeah. My favorite insult lately has been chode. I like chode. Because it, it diffuses the situation. It it's, really it's, does. It's like insulting, but it's funny enough. It's insulting, like, but like not many oh, people shit. know the words. They tilt their head yeah. and then the I am being argument's chode. lost. Yeah. <laughs> I still like calling people asshats. I don't know why. Asshats is a good one. Yeah. Hypocritical turd. Yeah, That's turd blossom one. from Gal- Guardians of the Galaxy. Maybe anything uh, involving the butt. Yeah. Butt stuff is always funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we've round the drain on this one. I think it's time to move to the quotes. Uh, does anybody have a quote they want to go with first? I already I kind of ruined like Sam. So. Yes. Something I made worked. When when Doc gets so excited that he learns that he invented time travel in the past. It's, it's We've talked about this. Hooray at the end. My quote is, I apologize for the crudity of this model. I didn't have time to build it to scale or to paint it. <laughs> and what I love about that quote also is that Marty follows it up with, it's great, Doc. Because that really like says so much about their relationship that Doc is doing like like he's going above and beyond like to construct this amazing model, but then to still find fault with him and like take shots at himself. And Marty's just kind of like rolling his eyes like, you're awesome, Doc. Relax. <laughs> we all know how amazing you are. <laughs> as, as someone in the kind of who likes to draw and do like creative stuff, I, I tend to be a lot of Doc in that case. So it's true to life. <laughs> like, oh man, this wasn't perfect. I'm like, I can't even draw. You're awesome, John. Whatever. <laughs> uh, my quote, um, and it's just because I'm a super nerd, and it just really the reason I like the quote as much as I do is because I think it says a lot about when 1977 rolls around, this guy's going to have a heart attack when he goes to the movie. Um, but it's my name is Darth Vader, and I come from the planet Vulcan. <laughs> uh, I love the entire sequence of him trying to convince his dad to do stuff, and I love that he does it through sci-fi and just uses two very well-known pop culture things. And now when those things come around, his dad seems like, Wait, what? I feel like I've heard this somewhere. I love the combination of it because the memes today, like, you're a wizard now, Harry, and it's got Patrick Stewart on there. Yeah. And it's from Gandalf. Like, they, they, they do those to kind of troll. It's like, this movie did it first. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the quote I have is um, when they're in the high school, and he's like, oh, that's heavy. And Doc's like, "You heavy? You keep saying that. His gravi- is like the gravitational pull different where you are? <laughs> must be, and I'm like, that line has always stuck out with me. Because I'm like, okay, yeah, heavy is a weird term. Like, I, I'm not familiar with it not being around that but like that's funny i i just love listening to doc i feel like i could listen to him forever just how his dialogue is so verbose and overwritten oh yeah there's one bit where he's (laughs) like well i'm sure in 1985 you can buy plutonium in any corner drugstore but in 1955 (laughs) it's a little harder to come by (laughs) just how christopher lloyd is able to just spew out this alphabet soup and it just so naturally yeah so naturally he's just so incredible in this role I just I love the look on his face. Ronald Reagan, realized, the actor. Uh, I love the look on his face when his uh, when he realizes that uh, Marty isn't lying to him. Just when he opens the door, like, oh shit, you are from the future. <laughs> All right, you got one. I'm still so annoyed. It's gonna Sorry, be okay. Sorry, Chewy. Um, well, the only other one I can think of right now because the internet's not really helping me. Uh, I like it when after he plays the guitar. And it's pretty much the end of the movie, and his parents come over, and she's like, that's some real interesting music you played, Marty. I'm like, oh, that's his mom. <laughs> that's what Shapami says in 85, too. She had the same reaction to it. Don't, don't do that anymore. <laughs> the look on the guy's guitar when he takes it from him is like, what'd you, you assaulted to, my guitar. What'd you do to my poor guitar? <laughs> is that even legal in this state? Uh, okay, so... 
review system for today. I'm going to try to make it as easy as possible, but that never works out well for me. Movies that involve time travel. Ooh, I got one. Go for it. Bill and Ted, because it's awesome and timeless. <laughs> Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Sorry, I'll be specific. I mean, uh, yeah. I'll do mine, yep. if you're still thinking. Uh, Flight of it. the Navigator. Came out in the same decade. Uh, definitely involving a boy, boy coming of age and kind of going into time travel against his will and then having some dark, dark subjects. And uh, honestly, I think I saw that movie before I saw this one, which might be one of the reasons why I didn't attach myself to it quite as much because I loved Flight of the Navigator. Uh, and that movie made me feel things as a child that I didn't understand. I, they didn't feel good, but I didn't really understand what they were. As an adult now, I was like, it's all about fear. And there's a lot of fear in this movie, too, actually, that you don't really talk about. Yeah? But, yeah. Now, now we both get to be upset. That was what I was trying to think oh. the name of. I was like, of the Navigator. Fight of the... No? No? And then you just said it. Yeah. Well, we have it on DVD. Uh, I haven't rewatched it in forever. Probably because I'm kind of nervous that it won't have the same It resonance. holds up. It, it totally so holds wonder. up. It's yeah. okay. so fucking good. Um, that was actually, I was between this and that, but I couldn't think of a guest, and I knew Elliot would come on for Back to the Future, so I was like, Back to the Future. <laughs> yeah, I, because I turned down half of the invitations you gave well, me. Well, sure, but still, like, I, I wanted to pick one that I knew you enjoyed, so I ended right up with on. this one. Um, shit. I'm I, sorry, honey. No, it's fine. Um, fuck. Uh, Army of Darkness. Mm. Um, <laughs> I don't really know how I'm going to tie that he in. He does want to get back to the future. He wants to get back to the future, and it's funny, and that's all I really have to tie those And there's together. a woman that really wants to bang him. Yeah, but that's just because he's Ash. That's not... Um, and like Crispin Glover, Bruce Campbell was really hot when he was young. Yeah. God, between this and Friday and 13 like Part 4, now. I just love Crispin Glover. God, he is so handsome, and... In Friday the 13th Part no, 4, no, no. I agree. In, no, in, in Back to the Future. Are <laughs> dancing? No, it's so funny that the whole time that Lorraine is like all up in Marty's business, it's like, dude, this handsome man <laughs> is just standing next to you. Look at those cheekbones, woman. How do you I say it? He can get it? Is yeah, that he it? can get it. Yeah. I, I still think he's a good looking guy. You're just, my density. He's one of those guys that his head just kept getting bigger as he got older. Yeah. Now he's a bobblehead. <laughs> <laughs> He'd play a I nod in agreement. Bobblehead. The bobblehead movie coming yeah. from Sony next year. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so I've actually got one. Uh, time crimes. Okay. Ooh, good one. So that the the kind of the cleverness of its time travel and the glee with its violence is about the same level of glee that you have with its just adventure movie and Back to the Future. Nice. That works. And I'll say Twelve Monkeys. Okay. I love that movie. That's those are. I mean. 12 Monkeys, Back to the Future, and uh, Terminator. Those are the time travel movies I watched all the time when I was a teenager. And I really hold up Back to the Future and uh, 12 Monkeys as kind of the two polar opposites of time travel in that uh, Back to the Future, time is in flux. Like You can make changes and improve the future for better or worse. Whereas with 12 Monkeys, everything is really like rigid and just stupid. And even though characters are trying to fight against what's happened, their fight only creates what happened. 12 Monkeys is a good movie. Very good. Who directed that? Uh, Terry, Terry Gilliam. Gilliam. That's right. It's like I knew I knew him. He's from uh, Minnesota. Cool. I just like to keep pointing that out to you. Yeah. Everything. Uh-huh. No, I get it. He enjoys his hot dishes. Hooray. <laughs> uh, that hurts because hot dishes are very good, <laughs> damn it. Are. So are casseroles, like the rest of the fucking country yeah. calls them. Also, uh, Terry Gilliam really hates Minnesota. In Goodnight Loon, the book I bought for our son, it says, Goodnight Hot Dish. Yeah, it's a fucking Minnesota book. <laughs> Wait, does it really? It does. <laughs> I, w- I, wanna, I, I want that book. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> so that brings today's episode to a close. <laughs> But now I have to leave that in. This episode was created in Minnesota. <laughs> no, it fucking wasn't. <laughs> never, I never thought Minnesota would be a state that I disliked. Then I married someone from Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> Minnesota you're forever. Yeah. You're outnumbered by people from Illinois, though. Straight yep. up right now Ooh. at this table. Technically, well, Brian I'm, was born in Iowa. And technically, I'm from Iowa. North Dakota, Ooh. which is like Ooh. Yoda I'm on the back of the <laughs> <laughs> uh, Okay, so next week... 
Originally, I had Thor Ragnarok ready to go, and then I realized it was not available for rent yet, and I didn't want to make everybody buy it, so that's been pushed off to two weeks from now. Like I haven't. Funny already. you mentioned yeah. that because every like day this past couple weeks, I've been checking, and I forgot that they delay that, and I was like, Why yeah. can't I rent this? Yeah, it's really annoying. So because you... they brought up Infinity Wars, so they had to put something else back. Yep. So uh, yeah. okay. I don't know. That's uh, the can I still come on to talk about? <laughs> probably. We already do have a guest lined up, but it'll probably still work out. Um, and then we have so. <laughs> Next week, we actually have Lady Bird, which is a movie I'm very excited to talk about. Oh, yeah. I wrote an entire article about my experience right after Lady Bird, which you can see on After the Hype. It's a good article. Uh, uh, thank you very much. Um, and that will lead us into plugs. I will plug that article, which you should go read, because I really enjoyed writing it, and I've gotten the most feedback It was feedback pretty from good. It. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. I enjoyed it. It was okay. <laughs> it, it was good. Uh, anybody else have anything to plug? Watch Superstore for Chewy. Watch uh, Superstore. Watch Drunk. There's History. a podcast you guys should be listening to called Ours. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Ours. A- after the after the hype. Yeah. I mean, they're already yeah. if they're listening now, we probably already got them. Hopefully, yeah. What the fuck have been playing for the last hour? <laughs> well, now they can go back in time and <laughs> fix that. If you get the Despicable Me Blu-ray, my name is in the credits of the special features, not the movie itself. Ooh. Sweet, so check sweet. those out. <laughs> Elliot, anything to plug? Uh, just follow me on Twitter at Elliot S. Campos and listen to the podcasts I did that are linked there. Beyond School, which is a sci-fi audio play about a teenage girl who battles evil aliens, as well as the archive for Superhero Sampler, in which myself and the great Samantha Garrison look at the best and worst of superhero television. Cool. Okay, so thank you everybody for coming on. And bye! bye.